Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and joining me on the road from, I don't know, how do we call this, the lovely city of Memphis? I don't know if we can call it that, right? Uh, Mr. Doug Christie. Uh, what's happening, big time? All is well. All is well? Uh, are you getting some barbecue out there? Uh, you know what? I probably won't get any barbecue today, but I may. Uh, I may step out and get some lunch. We'll see. Yeah, when in Memphis, right? When in Memphis, you got to get the barbecue. Um, uh, that's what they say. I've had I've had a bit. <laughs> You've had a bit. Uh, okay, we've got some ground to cover today, Doug. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the Sacramento Kings are coming off a a very tough loss uh, on on Thursday evening. They dropped a game um, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, and then D- Doug had to board a plane and, and fly to Memphis. Uh, the Memphis game is probably, uh, to date, the biggest game of the entire season for the Sacramento Kings. They trail the Grizzlies by four games in the standings with 20, I think it's 24 games remaining in the season. Um, and normally we don't focus on the minutia of game in and game out on the Purple Talk podcast, uh, but Doug... The Oklahoma game, um, I know the foul issue was one thing, but for me, uh, this team keeps bringing up uh, playoffs again, and and I'm okay with them bringing up playoffs. I think everyone needs to have goals, and if you're if you're not planning for something, what is the thing? Uh, failing to uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. So if you're not if you're not trying to get to the playoffs, then I have a huge problem. Uh, because it's not like this team is going to look a whole lot different next year, most likely. Um, but to have a team on the ropes, to be up 19 points in the third quarter, to have all the momentum, and then to lose the game the way that the Kings did, I was very disappointed. And to me, it was, uh, you, you only get so many lessons in a season, and the Kings need to stop uh, you know, having these situations where they have to go through something in order to to learn. And um, and I, I think this one, you could even say, they've done this a couple of times a season, and maybe they haven't learned. And so I was frustrated with this loss. Where are you at with the loss to OKC? I, I mean, uh, the loss to OKC was tough. I, I'm not um, extremely harsh on them. I think that it was it started in my opinion I, I thought that they and not an excuse i thought they got a horrible whistle last night to be honest um there was a point where kent Bazemore got called for a blocking foul that turned into a three-point play against danilo gallinari and it was obviously uh a charge his foot was not in the restricted area and he was set and the referee gave them, from what I could hear from sitting on the sideline, it sounded like some a little bit of bull uh, about the reason that the, the foul was called. But that was kind of the beginning of, of the end. There was a physicality that I thought that they matched, but got a little unmatched. Uh, I have to kind of say that out of both sides of my, of my mouth because – all of a sudden OKC turned up the heat and there was a little scuffle and before you know it they were on top of them uh but all in all listen you you didn't should you be able to close a game like that yeah you should but 
you didn't have your closer, and that that's where De'Aaron Fox comes in. That's that's what a star does, and make no mistake about it, he is a star, and we've seen him the other night. The inability, De'Aaron Fox gave him a 16-point lead in the third quarter. They were unable to keep the lead. He had to come back in, and he just didn't come back in and run the show. He came back in and dominated and won the ball game. And that's what would have most likely happened last night had he had had the basketball. Um, but with all that being said, you're right. 19 points in the third quarter, you should be able to close that out. But that, that is a really good team. Um, that was unprecedented to be able to get to the penalty. They had three fouls in one possession, and it wasn't like they were hacking people because those fouls were not called on the other end of the floor. So it, it sounds like a lot of excuses, but I, I sat right there and watched it with my own eyes. Yeah, I mean, I can get it. I, I definitely agree with the base more call. Uh, I was extremely disappointed with the base more call as well. Um, but I, I think there's so many flaws to the replay system right now. And uh, for me, that is one where... Luke should have sensed a momentum shift in the game because a momentum shift was happening. And that wasn't, the game wasn't close at that point. But I think what that did is it took it from something like 12 points down to, down to nine points. If I'm not mistaken, Uh, he should have sensed a momentum shift. And to me, that was a perfect moment to say, look, that's a bad call because it wasn't just, uh, you know, a, a pair of free throws. It was an and one and it got you in some trouble. All right, so Doug, one of my major complaints uh, with the replay system is that when you're in a visiting building, there you got 30 seconds and there's no way to watch the replay because more often we're now seeing that the in-house is cutting the feed so you don't get a replay of the foul. And I don't know why this is allowed, um, but it's something that I think somehow the league has to address this specific problem. I also think that if you win a a challenge, that it shouldn't cost you a timeout and you should get another challenge. Um, And and I think these are things that need to be addressed this summer. Um, I think the replay system has, has its merits. And I certainly think that, you know, late in the game, Luke just took a stab in the dark because he had to, and his team was falling apart. Um, But Doug, some of the issues that I have with this game were I get the fouls, but it was also the really bad plays after the, the Kings had kind of steadied the ship late and they had retaken a lead. It was the stepping out of bounds by Bogdanovich, running into the key and giving the ball away by Bogdanovich. Uh, Buddy healed on a fast break, literally just losing the handle and handing it over to somebody. Um, it was the... The bad fouls that, you know, even Bielitsa uh, picked up the fourth team foul within the first, what was it, the first minute of the fourth quarter on a play where just get back and play defense or let the guy go score because you're just getting your team in worse trouble. Uh, it was the mistakes. Even Buddy Heel got a steal inside of what the last minute where the Kings were down four and he had an opportunity to pull them within one and he just bricked a wide open three and I know you miss shots and I know you make you know turnovers happen and all that stuff but it just felt like the Kings weren't quite ready to to take that next step 
Well, you, you know, like when when you talk about the turnovers, those are those are things that you that you really can't you 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 gotta make sure that you're making fundamental plays, and fundamental plays are that it's unfortunate because those came at the most inopportune times. I would agree with you. There were two fouls, one by Bogdan, one by Nemanja in the open court. That uh, I, I'm not a big fan of of those plays unless you are totally at a deficit. And I thought both of those plays, they had enough guys back. They just go ahead and play defense and lift the result. But ultimately, they didn't do it. The uh, the turnover, actually, by Bogdan in the key was really, really tough because I believe Luke had just subbed Buddy out after a turnover. And you put your uh, your starting two guard back in the game, and he does something just the same. So it it's... It, Man, it, I, I won't necessarily say learning because you're right. These are things that they've went through before, but that's why you have the ball in your your studs hands of De'Aaron Fox. But he was he was unfortunately not available for those guys last night, and that's just that's just it, it's tough, man. Um, when I look at these free throws, I look at uh, ten for ten for the Kings in the first half. And I look at four for four for the Kings in the second half. But in the second half, this is a OKC team that went to the line 23 times and made 19 of them. That's a disparity. It, it, it wasn't that they were that much more physical on the offensive end. There were fouls that were being called that were made on both ends of the floor. And it's it's part of the NBA, man. It, it truly is. And the Kings' response just was not enough in that particular instance. And you got to match the physicality, especially versus a playoff team that played playoff basketball last night. All right, Doug, let's take a second here and uh, get a little bit from our sponsors. Um, first of all, Wendy's has been so great to us over the last couple of years. Um, and again, go visit the new Wendy's in Auburn. Uh, it's, uh, it's a nice new building and, uh, definitely, uh, good stuff there at Wendy's, but also, um, we got BMW on board. BMW is gonna, you know, me and Doug are going to be riding around in really, really nice BMWs. I swear that's going to happen. Uh, so let's roll, let's roll that commercial, uh, right now. No matter who you are, no matter where you're going, no matter what's next, there's an X to take you there. These are BMW X5, XDrive 40i for $719 a month. Doug, I mean, at some point, you've got to learn. And I know uh, Buddy Heald got benched twice in that game for making um, really what were egregious errors. And I know some people... I got it on Twitter. How come Buddy gets pulled when he makes mistakes and other people make very similar mistakes and they don't get pulled? Um, and, and I think it's, to me, it's that it's uh, a track record of making similar mistakes that costs Buddy in those situations. And I, I think maybe Luke is a little harsh on Buddy, uh, but I'm sure that there were also thousands of fans across uh, Sacramento who were yelling at their TV sets um, while Buddy was making some of those mistakes. And it's just, you got to get better and you got to cut out those errors that, you know, really hurt your team in those big moments. And uh, I hope that Buddy can do that. Um, but it, it's about, I think, a little bit of living in the moment, right, Doug? I mean, you've been in those situations. 
you have to be laser focused. And when you get to a point where, again, they came into last night, they're down three and a half in a in the chase for eight. Um, if they win that game, they they're down three, uh, and then they go into Memphis on Friday night, and you get an opportunity to cut it to two. Um, you just there is no margin for error for this team. They they put themselves in a situation where they lost way too many games early in the season, and now you're trying to bail water and trying to catch up. Um, and so again, it, like the margin for error is gone. Uh, they are playing better basketball. What are they nine and six over the last fifteen? Um, but they gave one away. And I guess, uh, Doug, I'll, I'll shift to this. Uh, how big is the game against Memphis? Is this a do or die? Is this the last ditch? If they lose this game, they're in huge trouble. If they win this game, then, you know, they, they've got a shot again. Um, so if, if you would have told me on this road trip that the Kings were going to go three and four, I would say that's exactly what they need to do. So last night by beating the Clippers, you were playing with house money. So you didn't probably expect to beat the Clippers. And you then you would have said, okay, you have to beat OKC. So right now, pretty much, in, in my opinion, it's a wash. Get greedy. If you got greedy and swept the trip, well, yeah, that would just be absolutely fantastic. I don't think anyone necessarily thought that they were going to sweep the, the, the trip. I will say this, the games that you are playing against Memphis, against the Blazers, against the Pelicans, against the Spurs, because all of those guys are in front of you, those are all games that are absolutely must-wins if you have any chance of moving up in the standings and really making something happen. Um, it, it's a uh, – and you face those teams multiple times. The the Suns, who just lost, uh, Oubre now are down. The Grizzlies are down without Jaron Jackson Jr. They have lost four in a row. And Brandon um, Clark. And, and now Brandon Clark's and, out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Clark as well, who is a, the vertical spacer of the floor to the highest regard. So uh, you just have to come in and you have to lock in and, and play basketball at, at a really high level. And that's what you did last night, but it, you didn't do it for long enough in the game to beat a team like the Thunder in this particular instance. So to answer your question, the teams that are in front of you, yes, those are, those are must-wins. I, I think that ultimately it looks like right around – 40 to 41 games is probably going to be the number that puts you in and you can do the math to see what the Kings need to do down the stretch. But this counts as a whole game. You know, that's why it's so important because it's an actual game in the win and loss column. It's not a half a game or anything like that. This is a team that is locked into the eighth seed. If you beat them, you obviously move up. It would have been great to get it last night. You just weren't able to do it. Yeah, and I think the the other uh, piece to the Memphis game on Friday night is uh, that if you do beat Memphis, now you have a 3-1 advantage over them. Um, now, I, I personally don't believe that Memphis is going to be the one that you're fighting it out with for that last spot. Uh, I think Memphis, right. their their strength of schedule is nuts. They have the, the toughest schedule in the NBA in the final 24 games. Um, and it's kind of been that way, final 28 games. Um, and the Kings have a, a moderately difficult schedule, um, but uh, again, I think they only they came into the final 28 games um, with only 10 games remaining against 500 teams. And of those 10 games, two of them were Memphis. Memphis is no longer a 500 team. Uh, you beat the Clippers and you got OKC. So now we're down to of the final 26 games. I think the Kings only have uh, six games remaining against teams above 500. 
And that means that y- you got you got a shot. Uh, you do have to take care of business against veteran teams like like Portland. Uh, but Portland may be without Damian Lillard. Uh, you got to do it against teams like San Antonio. Uh, but San Antonio is a is a bad ma- is a good matchup for you. You can run San Antonio off the floor if if you're aggressive. Right. Um, and then I think everyone, you know, they're kind of eyeballing that New Orleans team and thinking maybe that's a team. Uh, that's the team that, that you're really going to have to fight it out with. And if I'm the Kings, I mean, you're hoping to get Rashawn Holmes back at some point. We still have no idea. Um, you know, the Marvin Bagley situation, um, there's a possibility within the next 10 games that he could be back, but we still, again, we have no idea. Um, but they're also facing teams coming up that are really banged up and you know you talk about memphis but after memphis you got a detroit team that you know gave up half of their team at the deadline and then started buying players out uh and then after that you know you got philadelphia coming through next week philadelphia has an injury uh not only to ben simmons but now it looks like joel Embiid is out a week so it's possible you could actually face them without simmons and Embiid. these are opportunities doug that you the kings just cannot they have to take advantage. And just like a 19-point advantage uh, over an OKC team, these are situations where you don't get any more, uh, we should have got that one. They're, that's over. I mean, if you have any hopes of getting there, um, you have to take care of business every single time that you step on the floor, uh, specifically against teams when you either have them on the ropes or they're sub-500 teams and, and you have to beat them in order to get into the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, you're not going to steal a bunch of wins against teams like uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I think the Kings have another game against the Clippers. Um, you know, stealing another game against the Clippers would be almost impossible at this point, in my opinion. Um, so you're going to have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And then when you do get, you surprise somebody, you got to take care of business. And so I'm hoping that they, again, learned a lesson. Um, but, you know, I also know that I thought that they maybe had learned a lesson multiple times this season. Uh, so I, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. When you, when you look at the Kings schedule, I mean, if, if they play the basketball that they've, they've been playing versus the Clippers, the Warriors and, and the Thunder, uh, they should win their next four games. They, the Grizzlies, the Pistons, the Wizards and the 76ers, the 76ers are going to be without their two biggest yep. pieces, most likely. So there's a four-game streak. Now you go face a Blazers team that Damian Lillard is probably going to be back, but is he going to be that same Damian Lillard? And that's a winnable game right there. So, and and you just, for for them, and and I know that this is what Luke is doing and what the team is doing, but you and I, this is what we do and we have to talk about it. They're not really worried about that. They're worried about tonight's game. And that's how you have to micromanage yeah. a situation like this. You 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 go out with the the right effort and the sense of uh, urgency and attention to detail. That is something that the Kings all of a sudden have done a a, a really good job at, with the exception of you get four turnovers from Buddy and you get two turnovers from um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. That's six from your, your two guards. And it wasn't that they got six because I've had a bunch of turnovers before. It's yeah. the untimeliness of the turnovers that kill you. So if you come out with attention to detail, 
uh, follow the game plan on the defensive side of the ball, rebound the basketball. Uh, don't worry about the shooting. You, you move the ball, you get good shots, you got good shooters. Those have all of a sudden started to fall a little bit. You'll be fine. Uh, but it's will they do that consistently enough to garner the wins? And if they do, uh, in uh, on March 5th, the Kings will be 4-0 since the last time you and I had talked. There it is. Okay, so uh, I want to touch base on two players, um, which uh, we can probably touch base on three players. But um, to me, the big man combo of Harry Giles and Alex Lynn, uh, oh, they, they played incredibly well. And to be honest with you, Alex Lynn is completely different than I remember him as a player. Uh, is it just me or... Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this, Doug. There's something to bringing in a veteran and giving them like a huge amount of money that doesn't seem to work out very well for the Sacramento Kings. Every time they do that specific move, uh, it seems to backfire. I think Corey Joseph has been really solid. Uh, but you know, the rest of the guys historically, uh, we can go back to Zebo or, or, uh, George Hill or, um, Marco Bellinelli. I mean, you can just keep going back. It, it never seems to quite work out when you give a veteran a bunch of money. But it seems like if you go get a couple of veterans that are about to be free agents, they sure do seem to play well, and they seem to be motivated in the right way. And Alex Lynn has just been a breath of fresh air. I mean, he's aggressive. He's big. He came in and just uh, would have put up a double-double in, in a short stint, I think 21 minutes. Um, he's hitting the, the glass hard. He's a defensive presence. He's setting mean screens. He, he's not horribly efficient as a scorer. Um, but you don't really need that from him. I've been so impressed with him. And then Harry Giles, you're just seeing Harry start to build and build and build and sort of get back to who the player was we thought he might be uh, at the end of last season when he, you know, before he got injured and, and had to sit out the last, I think, 11 games, he had started to string together some games where you're like, okay, I, I kind of like this. Um, and his awareness has gone up, although I did see multiple times where he did uh, – he didn't play the pick and roll the way that you need to play the pick and roll, um, but he's learning. And so what are your thoughts on, on those two? Because they seem to be standing out at the right moment for the Kings. You know, and, and when you, you, you talk about this, I, I want to, because I went back and looked at it, we got to go back and, and touch on a play because you were talking about where Luke takes Buddy out of the game and there was a particular instance that, so we got to rewind on that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I really think that, um, you, you got 30 and 19 from that position last night. I mean, that is, that, that's Joel Embiid numbers. It doesn't matter that you do it in two people. It matters that the numbers uh, suffice. Um, Harry Giles, man, um, I, I'm hoping that like a back-to-back -back like tonight, because that's ultimately been the only thing that's held Harry back has been his uh, his body. You know, you come back on a night like tonight. I mean, last night he played 24 minutes. Those are big minutes for Harry, and they were huge minutes. His ability now to stay out of foul trouble, even though he had five last night, you trusted him when I believe it was he got three and, and through it. He's his hands are high. He's he's reading on the on the weak side of the defense and different things like that. And those are things that in the past he got himself in foul trouble. He would get upset, and then he found himself over on the sideline. But his ability to finish with the left hand, his ability now 
to to grab the ball in traffic and and dunk on some passes when he's rolling to the basket, which he's setting better screens. I think Harry just continues to grow. Alex Lynn, he is a player that, similar to Kent Bazemore, I've seen, but you don't appreciate them until they put the jersey on and you watch them in a different way. Watching Alex, his ability to be able to protect the basket, his aggressiveness, his chafeness, meaning there's some toughness in what mm-hmm. he does, yep. um, uh, the swatting. One thing that I, I love, um, and we, we've seen this from guys like Tyson Chandler, is if he can't get the rebound, he tips the ball out. And it's it's created uh, extra possessions for the Kings many, many times. So, um, man. I, I would I would tell you, it, can you imagine Rashawn Holmes back in there and you got a three-headed monster of guys that you can just roll out and roll at people? Um, wow. Yeah, they, they both of those guys, listen, hats off them. They've been fantastic. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to get from Alex Lynn. It's been spectacular. And, uh, I mean, a big tribute to Harry Giles because he's come through a lot. The kid has worked his butt off. Uh, he's earned the trust, and I think that that is the, the biggest part of what we need to recognize because the, it didn't necessarily wasn't there at the beginning of the season. And whatever people want to say, you can it, from a lot of different reasons, from not being around the summer, not playing summer league, and all these different things, being injured, all that. He's earned the trust of Luke Walton, and Luke Walton trusts him. And I think that that speaks volumes to not only who the kid is, but the type of talent that he has and what he's willing to do to earn himself some minutes. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit before we get back to the buddy situation. I'm gonna hit two quick things here. Um, I'm gonna clarify uh, Harry Giles' contract situation so people understand what's going on. Um, I was under the understanding that the most the Sacramento Kings could offer was a one year uh, a one year four million dollar deal. Um, it turns out that I was incorrect with that. Um, they can offer him a multi year deal. But it has to start at the one year, $4 million, and then it can go up 8% per year. Uh, So they could offer him a two-year, $8.32 million deal, something like that. Uh, Or they could offer him a three-year, $13 million deal. Uh, They could also offer him a a two-year deal with the second year as a player option. Um, And so they could lock Harry up for next year at $4 million. And then if things go... Uh, as planned, and and they're still happy with the marriage. He could stick around for another four uh, for another four point three something million, um, or he could go you know shop his wares. Or um, but the cool thing is that the Kings retain their Larry Bird rights over him no matter what, which means that they can um, if they are above the cap, they can still retain Harry Giles and go over the cap um, because they have his rights. Uh, they do not. He is an unrestricted free agent. So they don't have the right to match any offer. But I still, I, people who are watching Harry Giles kind of explode and have this great coming of age moment here in the second half of the season, I think you still have to understand that Harry Giles is a player who has had bilateral knee uh, ACL tears. Um, you know, he's he's a player that is going to be an injury risk his entire career. The setback that he had during this summer and coming into training camp, again, those things hurt your value. The fact that He's only played, he only played two years of high school basketball because of injury. Uh, he played 300 minutes at Duke. Um, and then he sat out his rookie season and then sat out the first, 
you know, I think he sat out, what, uh, 23 of the first 40 games this year. Um, those are things that play into his value. And I don't know that Harry Giles is going to get more than $4 million this summer. I think people who think that uh, might be a little far ahead of themselves because uh, he he is a guy with a history. And so I'm hoping that he's back because I love him. He's a, a breath of fresh air. He's got such a great spirit. He's so incredibly funny behind the scenes. Um, and he's just a good-hearted kid uh, who has made some mistakes this year. But I think he's, he's getting through it. Uh, the other thing I want to sort of address, Doug, is I've had people ask me, like, hey, how come Jabari Parker isn't playing? And uh, it, it's pretty simple. Um, number one, Jabari Parker is out of shape. He's played two games since Christmas. And, uh, Doug, I, you know, most players, like I watch Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes has been running around buildings uh, for the last two months trying to get you know, trying to keep himself in game shape and ready to play. That is not exactly what I've seen from Jabari, uh, Jabari Parker. Uh, and I don't mean that I haven't seen him running. I'm saying like his body does not look like he's been doing that to stay in shape, to get ready to play. So when he pops up and the Kings throw him out there and say, what do you got for us? And he has a really rough shooting night. Uh, more than the rough shooting night, Doug, he had a night where he looked like he was totally out of shape. Um, and that's something that he needs to address as a player. Um, he has a $6.5 million player option for next season. He can come back, uh, but we're, we're going to have to wait and see what happens there. Um, and uh, for my money, the, the, I've talked to Luke Walton. I've talked to other people within the organization. They, they say, look, um, Harry Giles is playing really well right now, and so is Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn is giving us something that we do not have, a gigantic big who can rebound and, and play defense. Harry Giles has given us something at the five as well. And then if you look at the four, are you really going to take Nemanja Bielitsa and Harrison Barnes off the court? Um, and, you know, Harrison Barnes, of course, is a starting three, but he's moving over and playing major minutes at the four every single night. And what about Ken Bazemore? Ken Bazemore is playing incredible. Uh, can you take Ken Bazemore off the court? And the answer is no. And then... You know, you get to the two-guard position. You got Bogdan and you got Buddy. And Buddy and Bogdan need to steal some minutes at the three. Uh, so uh, Jabari Parker is just in a situation where um, he's he's not ready to fit into the team right now. And there could come a time where he's a major piece, uh, but I don't think we're going to see it this season. And then if you look at next year when you get Marvin Bagley back to play the four and the five, it's going to get even more sorted. And so I, I think people need to keep like an open mind about how difficult it is to break into a rotation when specific players have specific skill sets that match what you need. Uh, Bielitsa's ability to stretch a four with a three ball is elite. Uh, Alex Lenz's defense is elite at times and his rebounding is, is much needed. Uh, Harry Giles' ability to run the ball through him is something that the Kings need right now, especially with injuries popping up again. And Harrison Barnes is really one of your most solid veteran pieces that can that helps you in, in ways that people just don't understand. So Jabari Parker is probably not going to see the court a whole lot. There might be a moment where he gets a shot again, um, but I don't think people should be too concerned about it. Luke Walton has been able to integrate Bazemore and Lynn into the system, uh, and you just can't keep integrating more and more pieces on the fly while you're trying to win games. Do uh, you get all that, Doug? I mean... 
Like I just no, no. spouted a bunch of stuff there, but all of that makes sense. No, uh, and uh, it, it goes right into what I was going to say with Buddy. So to, to break down what you I went to the gym the other night, and, and Jabari was there, and he had one heck of a workout. But to, to your point, it has to also be, I don't know what extra work, but it's running stairs. It's the, all the extra things that you definitely have to do, which puts him behind the eight ball because also there's defensive schematics. And, and make no mistake, he's not a necessarily lockdown defender. Can he be a good team defender? Yes. But Kent Bazemore fantastic defender both individually and team uh when you talk about alex lynn the reason that that um luke walton can play him is because he's been fantastic on the defensive end of the floor which leads me to the 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 point of buddy the the particular play that i'm talking about was Mm -hmm. at the 449 mark drag at the top of the key with chris paul buddy was on chris paul he let him go away from the pick which listen that happens it's chris freaking paul but uh, Nemanja picked him up, and when that happens, that's a switch. But he went with the ball. Belly went with the ball. You kick it back, and you got uh, Gallinari knocking down a, a 26-foot three-point shot that put yep. them up 98-97. And it's not in, – in, I've been in those situations because as a as a guard, I had to learn that – these are mistakes at certain times of the game that you just, they can't happen. The the problem is, is it was happening with both of your two guards. So then you had to put in Kent Bazemore who locks in and on the defensive end, isn't making a lot of mistakes. These are communication errors. That's why when you talk about Jabari, uh, he's still, he has not only learned the offense, but he's also needing to learn the defense. The same thing with Alex Lynn, but Alex is really good on the back end. He's talking, he's being in the places that he's supposed to be. He's willing to sacrifice himself and give up of his fouls. And this is a more of a guard oriented league that we're in. He's doing the one thing that you need a big man and the Kings need a big man to do. That's rebound the ball. That's the end of the defensive possession. And he did it at a high clip yesterday. So when you're talking about, well, is Luke being, listen, when we look at these games, these games now, because we're getting close to the end, they're going to be one on the defensive end of the floor. And that's the one thing that I've heard Luke, and I think that you've heard him and the fans have heard him talk about, is the ability for guys to lock in on the defensive end of the floor. And that's a possession that just absolutely cannot happen. There has to be a high level of communication, and there can't be excuses and my bad and all that type of stuff. Will it happen from time to time? Yeah, but it can't be something that's continuous. Uh, otherwise, that, that's what you. Yeah, I've gotten taken out of the game for those reasons. And as a as I got older, I didn't because I, hell with that. I'm not making the mistake. So. I just want to say that. Yeah, yeah. And there was also another play where I know Chris Paul dribbled into the key and uh, Nemanja went with Buddy uh, and, and they kind of screened him off. And then Buddy just l- let Chris Paul walk away from him five steps and then just hit pull up and hit an eight-foot jumper on the baseline. And it was just it was one of those moments where you're like, what were you doing? What exactly were you doing in that situation? Like, there's no reason to leave Chris Paul. If you're a six foot four buddy heel, Chris Paul will not rise up and shoot over you because he's only six foot tall. If you're on him, he's not going to shoot, but he's crafty and he creates space for himself. 
and I just watched him kind of do his little his little waddle out and Buddy just kind of watched him and like, hey man, are you going to pick him up or are you just going to watch him shoot that eight foot shot? And of course he pulled up and hit the eight foot shot and it's those little moments that it's attention to detail, Doug. That's what we keep hearing from these guys right now is attention to detail, turning the ball over, um, missing wide open shots. I know, again, players miss shots, but those are moments where attention to detail has to be at its at its you know height. Yeah, you know uh, the the missing shots thing. I, I don't I don't mind, but now when you say attention to detail. Effort is one thing, and I'll never question. But he gives effort. No, I that's agree. One thing I agree. He, he totally does, and that's what I love about him because it doesn't matter. He puts it behind him. He goes, and uh, Bogdan, uh, all of them. But now, as you say, attention to detail, these are the little things. And listen, these guys aren't the only ones. Fox is the, does it sometimes. Yes, he it, does. We've even seen yep. Corey Joseph do, do it sometimes. It, it, it's part of being a team and making mistakes. But these this, these aren't the times for those mistakes. Because if you make those mistakes, you're not going to get to where you want to go. That's why you're in this position. Because if you if fans don't see that the, the Kings have the ability to win games. I mean, you got your best guy out and you compete against this team. Uh, if De'Aaron had been in and you even leave Marvin out, but De'Aaron is in but right now, the Kings are probably in the fighting for the seventh seed, to be honest with you, yeah. maybe even higher because they, they, they have the ability and they have the talent. They have not played up to it. And a lot of it is what you and I just talked about is attention to detail and those type of things. And right now is not the time to fall apart on that part of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on each individual to be focused and laser focused on every single possession. And I know the Kings were really good early in that game. Um, their assist to turnover ratio was nuts, but they ended up with, I think, 15 or 16 team, uh, assists as a team. And that just, a lot of those were inexcusable. Um, you know, you know, Alex Lynn made a couple of mistakes where he just had the ball taken from him or, or swatted out of his hands, which, you know, can't happen. But, you know, again, your lead guards. Um, and Doug... I, Corey Joseph, he's just been a pro the whole season, and he just keeps playing, and he just keeps helping out. And uh, Luke talked about, you know, his three veterans that are really playing major minutes uh, in Corey and uh, Harrison and Kent Bazemore. And he said this group of three, they just help solidify everything. We have a young team, some of these, uh, or an inexperienced team, but these guys are just they're people that you can rely on to not make mistakes in crucial moments and so i think that that's a good thing um and and i understand why he would do that now before we go doug i wanted to get to one last thing um you did go to the kobe uh um memorial on monday yes yes i did yeah um and the team the kings went as a team um and I just want to, you know, I know this has been, you and I have not talked on the air about this. Um, I know it's been a horribly emotional month for, for Luke and for a lot of people and for yourself. And I, I just, what was your takeaway from, uh, from the memorial since we have someone here that was actually in the building uh, and, and got to experience that? You know, it was... Um... It was it was really spectacular. I mean, from and I'm talking from Beyonce to Alicia Keys to to the 
just to pay tribute to Gigi and, and Kobe. That, but the the toughest part um, for me, just I'm speaking for myself individually, was to watch Vanessa get up and eulogize. Uh, it was tough to watch her eulogize Kobe, but as a father, it was really difficult. I, I just had to put my head down and and just cry to to watch her eulogize her child and in the way that she talked about her child that is about as tough as you will ever see and hats off to her to be as strong as she was to to deal with it um to watch michael jordan be humanized in a way that we have really rarely seen him and we've seen him publicly with his father and his championships and all the different things i thought was truly truly spectacular as well um it was uh it, it was really tough uh you know i I've, I've said that you know being a competitor with kobe um we we were a different era you know today they talk after and shake hands and hug and laugh and we didn't do that you know i didn't necessarily have a like for them and I'm sure that they felt the same way about us and, and me. Um, but as I continued, and now I'm speaking selfishly for, for myself, Ham, um, as I continued to study the game uh, and train and all the different things that I did afterwards, and you've heard me talk about basketball and, and a lot of it, I, I hear in the way that Kobe digested the game, which threw, threw me back because I'm like, wow, he was thinking about the game the way I am now. And that, that was light years ahead of where I was thinking. And that's what I was facing on a night-to-night basis. And what makes me truly, truly sad is that I, I, I will never get the opportunity to sit with him and have those conversations. Because a lot of, I think, the way that we see not only the game, but we see training, we see player development, um, a lot of it was the same and I I truly um, love and respect him for what he brought to the game in that way. And uh, that, that's the sad part for me, but it it was really, really well done. Um, I am blessed and thankful to the Sacramento Kings that they allowed me to go um, because that was something that uh, I needed to see and needed to a little closure on, I think, in a lot of different ways. Um, it was well attended and produced and everything that went along with it. Um, and lots of love and everything for, obviously, Vanessa and, and the babies and their family as they move forward. Yeah, Doug, um, it's funny. You and I have had conversations about this off the air, and you shared personal stories, which I will not share. Um, but... I felt strangely that you needed closure. And so I'm glad you were able to go and get that. Um, you know, uh, for those who don't know, Doug and I are friends. <laughs> we we do have lunch quite often. We, you know, we talk about things other than basketball. Um, and I, I know that the Kobe situation hit everyone in different ways. Um, you know, again, I in what was it December Doug I I walked out of Folsom prison and uh with the team the the Kings had gone to the it had gone to Folsom prison which was a a really interesting event um but you know they take your phones we walk outside you turn your phone on and uh 
David Stern had had a brain hemorrhage while we were inside. And, um, and from everything that we knew, even that night, um, it was probably, uh, it was probably going to end the way that it did end with, uh, Commissioner Stern, um, passing away. And, uh, to sit down when I got out, I drove home. Um, and then I talked to my boss and to write an obituary, uh, of sorts, even though he hadn't passed, um, was, it was hard. It was very, very difficult to do. Um, and then, you know, uh, I was, I was here at my house working on my house on, on that Sunday. Uh, and I got, uh, one of my editors called and said, are you seeing this? And I said, seeing what? I was busy. I was hanging mirrors on my bathroom, Doug. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you turn it on and it's, and it's right there in front of you. And it's like this incredibly sad thing. Um, and as a writer, you have to kind of shift and put things to the side and, but it's really, really difficult. You know, I like to cover basketball. Um, I don't like to cover some of the things that happen around basketball. And it seems like this year, more than anything else, we've dealt with death, um, which is extremely difficult. So that's, that's my, uh, sort of my end to, you know, I, I am glad Doug that you were able to go get some closure. Um, cause I do know yeah. that this was a very difficult time for the NBA family as a whole. Um, and, and I'm hoping that we can kind of move past this at this point. Um, uh, it's been a dark time. It's been a dark month for the NBA. Um, so Doug, uh, you know, I, I don't want to end on a, a totally negative downer note. Um, so, uh, I just want to say that we're actually getting to see the Kings in a postseason run. Now, whether they're going to make it or not, we, we have no idea. Uh, you know, you can keep your fingers crossed. I've never got to see the Kings make the playoffs in my decade of covering the team. Um, but let's just end with this, Doug. Do you think they're going to make it? I think that they have a really good chance, Sam. I think more than a lot of people uh, anticipate. I think right now, though, if, if I had to, to look at it, if they are – like if we're talking next week and they've won all four of these games that I just said that I think that they could win, I, I, I'd probably give them like a 80% chance to get it. Right now, those Pelicans are looking really, really tough, and I think they got an easier schedule. It's going to be hard. Those are going to be the head-to-head games versus them are going to be absolute must because it's going to be a whole game. But I truly, truly think, and um, I joke with Grant about this, and I said, you know, like Jesse Jackson says, keep hope alive. And he would be, you know, he thinks <laughs> I'm crazy. But the, the point is they have an opportunity. And the fact that they have an opportunity and they have played absolutely bad and they've had the worst buzzard luck should tell you what type of ball club they are. They are a playoff basketball team. And they got a good dose of playoff basketball last night, and I hope they paid attention. Yep, me too. Um, I, I'm gonna give my two cents on this, Doug. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like they got a shot. I, I do. Yeah. I feel like they got a shot, and um, I've covered a lot of moments where you're like, oh, maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> I feel more comfortable with this team where they're at right now than I did with the team last season because I thought a lot of what they were doing was smoke and mirrors and I thought it was fun and I thought it was entertaining and I thought they had a chance but I also know that when the chips are down in in 
March and April, uh, you got to have something more than just run, run, run. And uh, and this year, I kind of feel like they have more than just run, run, run. And and you know what, Ham? And that's what and this is what I hate about social media and all of that. That that's what Luke got killed for early on because he was trying to tell people that defensively we have to build a team that is able to compete when it becomes time. And now all of a sudden they're having both. They have the ability to get out and run, but they're also getting stops and they got some defensive lineups that he can throw at him. And that is the quality of basketball that he has been looking for. Listen, it took a long time to come. I think personally, a, a lot of that was based on the injuries. You can look at it however you want, but I would agree with you. They got a chance and that's all we can ask for as fans. So you're saying there's a chance. All right. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of the purple talk podcast. A special thank you to Wendy's, our sponsor, and also to BMW for jumping in the fray and becoming a new sponsor of the Purple Talk podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week. Uh, We have our King of the Day, and our King of the Day for next week is none other than Corey Joseph. Uh, We had a a rousing conversation, Doug and I, uh, with Corey Joseph and also Roy Rana um, about uh, the Canadian uh, invasion that is going on right now in the NBA with so many top tier Canadian players coming in and, and becoming part of uh, the conversation. So really good stuff from Corey Joseph, who is an extremely good guy. Uh, We'll make sure that people know that Uh, such a pros pro uh, really, really uh, good to get to know a guy like him. He, he has a way about him that's different and I, I dig it. I think he's a, a perfect guy to to work with De'Aaron Fox as as he's going through this crucial building point in his career. Um, so that will be next week, uh, King of the Day. Um, and, and maybe if the the Kings are are winning, me and Doug will do a, a secondary podcast as well. Um, that four, it, Doug called it. If they could win these four games, um, it should be very very interesting. Um, so again, that's going to do it for this this edition of the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. Brought to you by Wendy's. Um, We'll see you next week. Okay. To protect your fleet and your reputation, there's the Michelin Agilis Cross Climate Tire. Michelin's most durable, heavy-duty, commercial light truck tire ever. Visit business.michelinman.com slash professional services to outfit your fleet.